This is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, thanks for joining us again on Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here, high atop our office complex in South Florida, West Palm Beach, also known as the third floor of our office building. Hey, we're really glad that you've joined us today for the second episode of our new series that we're calling Multi-Site Church for the Rest of Us. A lot of you are thinking about going multi-site. You've already tried it. Uh, Some of you are in the middle of it. So you've been doing it for a long time. And today we have two guests with us that are experts on multi-site, Leslie Bennett, My co-host, would you please tell our listeners who they are? All right. So we have a couple of people. We have one person in the room with us, Todd Gaston, who's one of our campus pastors. And then we have on Zoom with us today, Jim Tumberland. And I think, Jimmy, you know both of these guys pretty well. Yeah, I do. So Todd is a uh, former lead pastor of a large multi-site church in Virginia. And Jim, also one of the absolute pioneers of the multi-site movement back in the 90s. And he's been a pastor, and we call him the multi-site guy. He is the multi-site guy, and I can't <laughs> believe we have him here. He's written books. He's always got his own whole system of writings and publishing and website and everything. And so, boy, I'm excited to have both of you guys here. And I want you to know, too, Jim, you and I have spent some time together before, but the book that you guys wrote on mergers has been huge for us. And we've done about 12 of those in the last uh, seven or eight years. And your book is always the first resource we go to as we try to help people get acclimated to that uh, conversation. So that, besides all the other things that you write and speak in our friendship, that book has been a huge contribution to what's happened at. I hope you have the latest edition of that. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I just have to have a half a dozen. Oh, look at that. That's what I'm talking about right there. Too bad I'm in a different place. You could give me one. uh, That came out in August of 2020. We were asked to update it or to publish it in paperback. And we said, could we update it? Yeah, that cover uh, looks that was great. In like 2019 and it came out in 2020, right at last August. And the good news is everything we wrote in the first book is we didn't have to repent of anything. It's all in here. <laughs> can we rarely say that. Of, we were able to add a lot more information and more stories, more updates, more tools. And so, um, it's been robust in its uh, sales. Well, that's fabulous. Yeah, so way to for go. for those who aren't watching, who are just listening, we're talking about Better Together. So that's, that's the, the name that we're talking yes. about, Better Together. Better Together, making church mergers work, expanded and updated version. Yeah, version. and I heartily, heartily, heartily endorse that book. It's been huge for Family Church and uh, it still is. So thank you, Jim, for that contribution. So Todd, tell us a little bit about your church and where you came from. And then Jim, why don't you talk a little bit about where you're coming from as the multi-site guy and we'll jump into our uh, talk. Yeah, actually, I feel like it's a little reunion here, Jim. We actually brought you in and had you kind of lay a map out for us, and you kind of helped us create a way forward. And we were a a single site, a single language kind of gathering space, a hundred-year-old church at that as well, but we needed to think differently. Again, we jumped out, and here we are. As I thought about Virginia, you were able to lead us to three sites with one of our campuses Spanish-speaking. And so uh, very grateful at your leadership, helping us kind of ask the right questions and knowing kind of how to move ahead in that target. And then since then, Todd, now you've come down to Family Church and tell everybody kind of what you're doing with us. Yeah, this last summer I just transitioned. Like I said, I left Mount Ararat after being there for 19 years. By your own choice. By my own choice, yeah. <laughs> and just prayerfully made a new yeah. decision to begin again and just really caught the vision of Family Church. And you, Jimmy, talking about this idea of 
a hundred churches planted across South Florida. And as I came down here and began to survey the land, you specifically kind of directed my steps towards the Treasure Coast area of Florida and specifically a place called North Stewart. And so as we began to pray through that, work through that, we just felt so clear. God said, it's time to go and start again. And so we're in the middle of a merger, like your book talks about, where we're partnering with a church and beginning again. And a rebirth here is going to happen on February 13th, 2022. So we're on the edge of that. Yeah. And it's so awesome, Todd, to have somebody with your experience and your wisdom and kind of your veteran savvy to help be an apostolic leader in a whole new area where we're trying to replicate a movement kind of like what we have in Palm Beach County up in the Treasure Coast area. So it's such an honor and really is fun, Todd, to have somebody with, and it's odd that someone would leave. I mean, you're not odd, but it's it's <laughs> odd that someone would leave the place where you were, which is a highly successful megachurch as a senior pastor and just voluntarily say, you know what? I'm going to go be an apostolic leader in a new movement in a new area. And so, man, what a thrill it is to get to do that together. And that's really, really fun. And then Jim, well, tell us about I, I would say, Todd, that was a little bit of my journey where I left my church in Colorado Springs as an early pioneer in the multi-site movement as the lead pastor to join the leadership team at Willow Creek to pioneer the model there. And so I totally re- identified, and it was a painful, hard decision to leave, but it was uh, part of my journey as well. Story. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that, Jim. You were doing multi-site before it was cool, and then you did it and made it cool. So tell us how you did that. <laughs> I have a video on my YouTube channel uh, that we made in 1997 of me standing in front of Pikes Peak here in Colorado Springs, casting the vision for a a new way to think about church as we approach the 21st century, one church in two locations. So that's where my journey with multi-site church began and eventually got me invited to come to Chicago kicking and screaming, leaving my church here where we were beginning down that path of multi-sites. I was there for five years and launched the first four locations, additional locations of Willow Creek. And then churches began to call me and say, hey, could you come talk to us about how to do this? And just became apparent that was the next chapter season for me was to help the body of Christ in this model of multi-site church strategy. And so I thought that lasted three or four years. <laughs> it went on to, I'm still doing it. But in 2019, I merged my company, Multi-Site Solutions, with uh, my good friend, Tony Morgan and the Unstuck Group. And this merger has been everything you would want a merger to be, where it's a, it's a win-win the synergy that we've created and to be able to do more together than we could have done separately. And so um, that's kind of been my role. Now, I want to say to Todd, welcome to South Florida. I've spent the last four plus years over in Miami. I call that the capital of South America, uh, yeah, where you are, over out north and west of Miami, uh, where Jimmy is, is L.A., Lower Alabama. You know, it's the mainland. <laughs> it's the but they're both this fabulous place. And Jimmy, by the way, has has an incredible reputation in, in family church across South Florida, across the country, but definitely in South Florida. Jimmy, thank you so much for your leadership in the state of Florida, the Church Christ Fellowship in Miami, where I've served for the, as the chief of staff for the last four years and wrapped that up this month or December. Oh, wow. But we incorporated your three circle book evangelism tool as part of our evangelism strategy. Yeah, cool. what a great you've done so many things for the kingdom of God. Thank you. Well, well clearly kind. we have some very interesting guests with us today and some experts in the multi-site movement. So I just want to launch us off and ask the three of you really what trends are you seeing in the multi-church right now? Jim, let's start with you with trends. Well, I would say the trends that we're seeing now were really the trends that were already be, already beginning to happen before the COVID, at least among effective uh, multi-site churches. We know that pre-COVID that the multi-site model became 
an established strategy for growing churches in the same way that multiple services, a new idea in the last century, became the established model or strategy for outreach growing churches in the in the 20th century. Uh, it also had become an efficient and a cost-effective way of reaching more people without having to build unsustainable large mega campuses. And so that was happening before COVID. That has continued to happen. But here's what we're seeing now, and just as it's accelerated through COVID and, and as we move into the endemic period of, of COVID. First of all, small is the new big. That is, I think COVID finally cured our addiction to big buildings. And the need for a multi-site model doesn't require mega campuses. And Jimmy, your church is a good example of uh, lots of smaller facilities spread across you know a region. It's far more cost-effective, uh, more sustainable, and we were already seeing that. We're definitely seeing that now. Matter of fact, the large, big churches across the country are having the hardest time regaining their, you know, pre-COVID attendance. Where the smaller campuses or smaller churches are way down the road in terms of uh, maximizing their smaller facilities and regaining a lot of their uh, pre-COVID attendance. We also see that church uh, multi-site churches are because they're more small, they're community-oriented, community-centric in their strategy versus building-centric. And so, and more about let's uh, have a facility, inhabit a facility, acquire a facility that serves the community. Let's be community oriented instead of uh, self focused on our congregation. Let's have facilities that are like community centers where we happen to do church versus, hey, let's have a church building. Well, maybe we'll let the community share it. So, it's seeing community centric facilities as well as small facilities as the new big. A third trend is just the church merger trend. And as we already talked about, the church merger book, Better Together. We were seeing this before COVID. Before COVID, 40% of multi-site campuses were being acquired by means of a merger. And that is accelerating in this season as, as well. You know, at Unstuck, we've surveyed, we've had over 16,000 churches take our self-assessment, health assessment, free health assessment on our website. And out of that, we concluded that about of the 320,000 Protestant churches nationwide, about 15% are strong, healthy, growing churches, like your church. About 60% are stuck churches. That is, they're not going out of business, but they're stuck. They're not growing. They're not reaching people. They're just, they're maintaining status quo. And then about 25% are struggling. They're on life preservation or life support. Those are churches that went into COVID with a precondition and are mm -hmm. very vulnerable. And so many of those churches are actually all three of those churches, strong, stuck, and struggling are great candidates for mergers for different reasons. And so we're seeing a dramatic increase in that. It's one of the most effective ways and, and cost-effective ways of acquiring facilities, but also a group of people who join in you with your mission and your vision. And so that will continue to increase. And then lastly, as we all know, the hybrid church. We've been saying before COVID that the online campus is your front door. It's become that now to multi-site churches. It's, it's another a neighborhood, the internet, digital neighborhood. This hybrid idea of on-site and online or physical campuses and digital campuses, digital. So those are the things that uh, we're seeing, and they're only expanding as we continue in this new era. Now, Todd, you worked at Multisite for a long time. You've done it there in Virginia. You've done it with us here in uh, West Palm Beach and in South Florida. You've interacted with Jim quite a bit. I'm curious as what you see as where you think, you know, where do you think this is all going? Because a lot of people think it's, you know, as Jim knows, there, there are some of my peers and friends who are stepping out and they're saying, hey, we've been in multi-site for 20 years. We're done. And they're stepping away. Other people are ramping up. There's all this merger and all this stuff. Where do you think it's going? 
You know, it's interesting because I think we got pulled into the multi-site, kind of like here in the story of family church like you, we didn't have a true radius. I mean, we bumped right up against Quantico, so we had a whole territory, and then we had rule over to the west. So we only had a density of kind of our south and kind of our east. And we knew we were going to try to make a, an effort in that area, but we had to get beyond that bubble. And we wanted to, instead of just trying to have come and see, we wanted to kind of go and tell. And we needed to get outward and get our people planted further out from us. So for us, it just made sense to begin to send people out. And I feel like it was an affordable way to do church planting, but yet still have the strength of what our church, the Mount, could offer. But what intrigued me when I began to lean into this vision with you guys and God began to stir my heart in this next chapter of ministry is to be a part of a movement that is about partnership, that sees kind of what God has done over the landscape over a long period of time, but yet there's these outposts that needed to be revitalized. What I love about the neighborhood church model is, is we're kind of resisting at some level, trying to not just become mega, but yet really have a little bit more impact in the sense of be intimate within neighborhoods. You know, for example, the Treasure Coast area, more than us planting one single site, rebirthing a church there in that location, but to plant a movement of churches to seek out other neighborhoods where we could partner and be better and stronger together. You know, I know for us in the neighborhood of North Stewart, I mean, it's a people that need to be reached. Uh, South Florida, very unchurched. We want to change that percent one year at a time as we keep moving towards that future. But here you have a church that had a life of 50 years and yet came to a place where if they didn't make some radical decisions, it was going to end up being some kind of other mission down the road. And they said, no, we want this to continue to be a gospel-centered area. Listen, if I came down and parachuted into Martin County, for starters, it would have been an expensive operation. I don't know where I'd found territory. We'd be loading in and loading out in high school. Now I get this incredible opportunity sitting right on US-1 where now we can make a difference again. This church was good stewards with its property. It just needed to turn outward again, and it needed an update in its worship space. This right here gives me an operation to come in with you guys, and I don't have to invent this because Family Church has a very clear vision that can be repeatable again and again and again. And we're going to do that not just at North Stewart, but we're going to do that, I believe, across the Treasure Coast and across South Florida. And you... We're already seeing it, us being the 13th campus and beyond. So we're seeing the multiplication of this neighborhood model. Again, it kind of goes in line with what you're saying, Jim, about it's becoming the small is the new strength. We believe this COVID season for us, this boutique size of operation is allowing us Mm -hmm. some freedoms and some uh, return to some things that, that I think the larger churches are feeling right now. I think that's an interesting idea. The small is a new big. And I wonder, Jim, how people react to that idea, because historically, you know, it's all about numbers, right? So the big more people, the big. like big, you know, <laughs> the more people that you have. So like, yeah. how does a pastor, how does a leader that you interact with respond to small is a new big? And and then Todd, you know, you're experiencing it. So I'd be interested to know, but just theoretically or other pastors you've spoken to, Jim, how do they react to this idea? But when I speak about small being the new big, I'm talking about facilities. So effective churches like yours that um, are very neighborhood focused, very community focused. I love the, uh, I love what I love about multi-site churches. It's all about putting the local back in the local church. And so it's all about commu- local communities and neighborhoods. And so small facilities to serve local neighborhoods. Now I know that's part of your vision strategy, vision language, 
But we're talking about small facilities. But when you have a lot of those across multiple communities, that can add up to a lot of people. But it's, you know, the motivation behind multi-site all along has been how do we reach more people better, faster, cheaper? And so uh, that really was what emerged, you know, at the end of the last century. And it started out with mega churches trying to solve a space problem. And they were still thinking big box. But about three waves into this movement, more and more churches realized, and I know, Jimmy, you were one of those early ones as well, that, hey, we don't need big boxes every campus. We have a neighborhood approach. We have a local community approach. And so that's what we're talking about. When we talk about facilities, we're talking somewhere between 10 to 30,000 square foot is all a church really needs to have worship, children's space, gathering space. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, small is the new big. Sure. All right. And it's funny because there's a time when we were all coming up in ministry where if you said 10 to 30,000 square feet, what you would hear is not successful pastor <laughs> because, <laughs> because everybody wanted to just borrow more money, build more stuff, you know, more campaigns and just hundred acre campuses with, and I came from that world and I love that world. And I actually still value that world. And I think there will be some of those around from time to time. Sure. But, but Jim, I agree with you. The opportunity to rapidly reproduce those is not there because you don't have that superstar talent at the top. You just can't make as many of those as you want. And every one of those mega, mega churches is led by an elite communicator who's a world level uh, leader and some of us are just more like me. You know, we're just more like you got to just bring your lunch bucket to work kind of guys and try to make this happen. And that's where I think most of our listeners on church for the rest of us are. So with that said, Jim, what would you say to guys at medium sized churches, you know, a thousand or less who are already doing multi-site, thinking about doing multi-site with this new world, with the endemic? What would be your advice to people like that? Well, I would just say the multi-site model is very accommodating to small, medium-sized churches. Every church has to figure out what is it that God is blessing? What are our, the ministry best practices that he's blessing? How do we figure out how to make that translate it to other locations? And then how many people does it take to make that happen? If you're a large church, that takes a lot more people. Mm. If you're a medium-sized church, it takes a medium-sized group of people. And every small church, it takes a small-sized group of people. So every church has its own different model. It's all about reproducing who you are in other locations. So it's not a, uh, it started out as a mega church model, but uh, any church can, any healthy growing church can be a multi-site church and can reproduce itself. And in, in light of the current new era that we're in, I think that the favor is towards the small and medium sized churches. Leslie, I mean, that's not rocket surgery right there, but that is profound. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. This idea that what every church needs to do is reproduce who they are. So, Jim, I mean, I know you just do this all day, every day, but I mean, you're dropping gold bricks here because we're just looking at this and we're just like, wow. So if you're a small church, don't try to plant a, a multi-site so you can be a large church, plant another one like you. And so I think that's very helpful even for our model because we're trying to have our own campuses reproducing themselves. So instead of trying to reproduce something that looks different than you, I think reproducing who you are is, a, I don't know, it's more like natural. Yeah. Well, and use the language a lot, Pastor. You call it uh, family church and you say family resemblance. And if you look at each of our campus, mm -hmm. they're not identical, but right. there's a family resemblance because we have a shared vision mission that we're living out. And yet each context of the locations kind of determine how we do the outreach, what we look like in our worship style, and even kind of that strategy that's local in nature. And I think that's the freedom and that's the way we're able to multiply here at Family Church is because we give that incarnational permission, but it's a shared 
vision that we're all kind of rallying together. And really, small is not our focus. Reaching yeah, people right. for Jesus is our focus. Good point. Yeah, our and, goal is not to be as small yeah, as possible. Yeah, we're, we want to be healthy and strong and growing. And actually, we are growing, but it's growing wider across the network. And it's allowing us to be stronger together and do some things collectively we couldn't do individually alone. Yeah. So, Jim, I wonder what you think to this whole idea of neighborhood church. I'm hearing that language. The last two years, the word neighborhood has just like exploded in the vernacular. And we've been using it a long time. But I'm just wondering why you think that is and what do you think is the attraction to that? Well, I think the attraction is that most people, uh, small is preferred, community, neighborhood is very appealing and very attractive. Uh, our good friend Larry Osborne used to say, you know, pastors and worship leaders, we like it large. Most people who attend church like it small. And this to me is yeah. one of the beauties of multi-siding is yeah. that you can have small congregations, the intimacy and community of a small family of a church, but with the resourcing of a large church. And so we kind of get the best of both worlds. But I think that just appeals to human nature. We want to go to a church where we can known and be known, love and be loved. And this model is very accommodating to that. So you know that we do live teaching at all of our campuses. We already know that the proven best way to grow biggest, the fastest is video. I mean, the largest churches that are the multi-side are video. But I, I don't know, I feel like there are more people starting to at least explore or get into live teaching. I wonder if you'd comment on that, why you think that is, or maybe if you don't even think that's true, I'm just feeling the wrong thing. I'm curious as to what you think about that. We're definitely seeing it with the video model, a teaching team where it's not just one communicator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over at Christ Fellowship in Miami, where I've been serving, we, we, had, we had four teachers and a couple in the wings, but three or four that three of them that were primary used. But again, I think the multi-site model can work either way with video delivered messages, either with a single communicator or a teaching team, different voices, but the same voice or one voice, but with different, you know, accents in our case. But the other side of the coin is that um, the churches that do live teaching at all sites like yours, if I remember right, you're teaching on the same theme or same That's series correct. or same yep. big idea. That model works too. You have to work harder to stay united and cohesive <laughs> relationally. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But hey, it's, it's working. It works. You're not the only churches doing this. Now, I think there's what I've seen is a combination, and especially COVID. You probably have done some video, more we, del we video delivery over COVID time. And so it's a nice... You know, we can complement and supplement with video in your model or in the video model, we can unplug periodically and most churches do for their local campus pastors. So the multi-site movement is not a, about video. It's about standardizing your best practices and maximizing them and reproducing them across multiple locations. So I'm sure you talk to a lot of people, Jim, and a lot of people reach out to you. So as our listeners are thinking about, you know, whether or not they should try multi-site what are some questions that people should ask themselves before they move in that direction? The very first question, multi-siting is a healthy church model. So the first question is, are we healthy? Not perfect, but are mm -hmm. we a healthy church? Are we a growing church? Are we reaching people? Because at the end of the day, multi-siting is all about reproducing or multiplying who and what you are. And if you're not a healthy growing church, multi-site is not a growth engine. It's a growth vehicle. Now, it will accommodate growth and even expand growth or accelerate growth coming out of a healthy church. So I think the first question, are we healthy? Are we healthy functioning? Now, as a matter of fact, that was my whole relationship with Tony Morgan years ago. When I was multi-site consultant, he was helping churches get healthy. He would be invited in for churches to say, we want to go multi-site, but we're not healthy. And, and so, uh, 
And you say, hey, we'll help you get healthy. And then you need to talk to Jim. And I would talk to churches that would bring me in and say, hey, we want a multi-site. I would go and do an assessment and I could tell, you know, you're not healthy. You have some systemic issues that need to get resolved and turned around. And, you know, Tony and the Unstuck Group could help you do that. So you need to do that first. So the first question is, are we healthy? Are we reaching people? Are people coming to faith? Now, sometimes you can be reaching people and not be growing because you've maximized your community in terms of you've hit the, all the low-hanging fruit. You've hit a point of diminishing returns just because of the natural attrition. Uh, that was the way Willow Creek was when I went there in the year 2000, the largest church in the, in the country at the time, about 18,000 people. They hadn't grown in five years, mm. but they were a healthy church. They had good systems. They had good processes. They had great talent and gifting on the team and all that. And they were reaching people, but they weren't seeing a lot of growth because they've been in that location for 20 years. And so as we expanded out, you know, to other locations, that's when the dramatic growth came beyond that. Mm -hmm. But so I think the second question I would say before you multi-site, assuming you're healthy and you're reaching people and you have good systems and process, you're clear on your mission, your vision, your strategy. Are we maximizing our current facility? What I mean by that, are we at least doing two services on the weekend on Sunday? or more, but at least two. By the way, when I start out in ministry, I'm in my, <laughs> or this year begins my 51st year in ministry. Back in the day, the radical idea was multiple services. That was a radical idea in the late 80s. But that's a first step. If you can't do two services, reproduce yourself twice in one location, don't even think about going to another location. And if you have another venue you can use on your campus for an either, either by video or another you know, simultaneous service, Maximize your current facility first, get as full as you can, get as pregnant as you can in one location, and then birth the second location. I think that's really, really helpful. Todd, I wonder if that uh, resonates with you. You know, I think about, you know, the idea of what you're saying about growth. You got to be healthy, and then you've got to be willing to multiply out. And I think that, that multiplying out is what a lot of churches maybe get stuck on, is how do we take that next step beyond ourselves? And for us, I think the thing about Family Church, the clarity around the vision, mission, Jimmy, you've given that. And, and I think that's what unites us. But it also, it's the rocket fuel behind why we mm -hmm. do what we do, because we're moving out collectively in a united front together. And then again, just creating, I think, great friendships with churches all around the area that they're watching and they're seeing how we treat churches that we do partner with. And how we even treat the staff that comes up on, on board. I think all those things are laying seeds and trust and belief in this area that we really do care about the kingdom. And I love how we bless other churches that are never going to be partners with us, but we want to see the kingdom advance. I think that kind of posture helps that outward thinking. And, and I think that's why churches have wanted to come be a part of this movement with us because they see that unity and that family that maybe they're missing in a single site, single location. Let me add one more thing that what Todd just said. We're talking about healthy churches. I'm stuck. We talk a lot about when we do assessments, do you have mission clarity? What's our mission? What's our vision? Do you have a, a well-defined discipleship strategy? What kind of disciples are we making? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus at our church? And then once you get clarity around those things, then you can figure out what's the best strategy for, for us. And multi-site is one of those options. Yeah, thank you so much, Jim. You as well, Todd. Leslie, why don't you wrap us up with your final comments? Oh, my final comments are, I hope everybody learned a lot here. I know I certainly did. And I know you can find, Jim, your Twitter handle is at MultisiteGuy. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, that'll work. Okay. <laughs> um, how else can our listeners find you in case they don't know? 
Uh, Jim at theunstuckgroup.com. Okay. okay, great. And I would heartily endorse Jim as a genuine brother, uh, a fun guy to be around, and somebody who really gets church. He understands it. And so if you're looking for somebody to help you grow, the Unstuck Group is a great choice. And Jim Tomron would be uh, glad to help you, especially when it comes to multi-site. So thank you to all of our listeners for listening today. I want you to know it's not too late to register for this year's Church for the Rest of Us conference. Check it out at churchfortherestofus.com. We have a great lineup of workshops. A lot of it has to do with multi-site, and it's all made possible by some great sponsors. That's how we keep your costs low, because sponsors like Church Answers help us out. They are your source for church health tools and training that actually work. And also, Liberty University, our friends up there, are committed to developing Christ-centered men and women with the values, knowledge, and skills essential to impact the world. Our conference is right here on our campus, Family Church Downtown, February the 10th. It will be gorgeous here you will have no leaves on the trees where you live. We will have green everywhere. You can go to the beach. You can hang out. It's pretty amazing. So come down and hang out with us February the 10th, one day. Also, you can join us next week for a conversation about multi-site mulligans. Not everything you try is going to work. We'll tell you about some of the lessons we've learned. With all of that, I'm Jimmy Scroggin signing off for Leslie Bennett, Todd Gasson, and Jim Tomberlin, Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want to hear what you're doing so that we can all learn from each other. We're in this together. We are church for the rest of us. Until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins. Staying flexible, adaptable, and agile, all for the sake of the gospel.